We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 202. So much to talk about this week, Scott. Such a different tone from a year ago in December when we were recording podcasts, and I believe we talked about Jose Quintana rumors for about five straight episodes. Yeah, there's about 8 million things going down the, the list of, of uh, new additions to the Yankees, both players and coaching staff, and 8 million rumors now because apparently Brian Cashman is wheeling and dealing. Uh, a lot more movement, I think, than anyone really expected going into the season. I know, I, I think we, we saw a couple of holes that needed to be filled, but it seems like the holes have, uh, have gotten bigger because of people that have actually left the team. So Cashman's doing a lot of, uh, a lot of moving around. A lot of payroll has been cleared. The, the Yankees' payroll has not been this low in forever, pretty much. <laughs> We're going to get into all that later on in the episode. But right now, as it stands, they're under the luxury tax. And, and that was Cashman's like, number one goal going into the offseason. You're seeing that as a trend around the league now, too, with what the Dodgers just did and the Braves as well. I mean, there's salary dumps happening all over the place. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. And it looks like the, I mean, the luxury, the, the way that the luxury cap has affected the league, I think it's a positive thing. I think it's a good thing that, that, you know, what it does, it does create some level of parity, but you can see direct effects of what's happening to rosters across the league right now. So a quick couple of updates before we get into all of the topics to discuss. Uh, no video this week. So uh, there's been three episodes so far where we said we're going to do video and so far we've done it for one. But I think I'm actually sparing people because I don't think anyone wants to look at me right now. I'm battling a sinus infection as well as food poisoning. So I look like I have emerged from the depths of hell. So I'm doing everybody a favor. 
Yeah, nobody wants to see that. Uh, barely want to listen to it, but you're gaming up for that, so I appreciate it. Um, and I'm up in Boston, actually. We're prepping for my, my little boy's second surgery, so it's kind of hard to do video. We're, we're, I think this week is we're, we're piecing things together. You're, you and your health and me and the equipment. I have currently a microphone sandwiched between two pillows so that it's sitting up and I'm actually be able to talk to it. It's, it's quite, quite the MacGyver rig. I love that. I love when we were MacGyvering things down in spring training. That's what that, that reminds me of. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, it's, it's working, hopefully. So we're all good. Um, also, guys, take a second to rate and review the podcast. I believe we are very close to 700 reviews. That's awesome to see. As we say every week, it helps us out a lot. It allows the show to be more visible on iTunes and Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever it is you guys listen. Go, if you enjoy it, give us a five-star review. Also, at the very end of the show, we had Jabari Blash on the podcast. I spoke with him. He's down in Mexico, actually, enjoying his off-season. So he was nice enough to give us about 10 minutes uh, to talk about what it was like to be traded to the Yankees and, and how his life is changing. So it was definitely an interesting, interesting phone call I had with him. That'll be at the very end of the show. But let's start with Stanton's press conference, which was last Monday. And I'm not sure. Did you watch it, Scott? I did. Yeah, I was watching pretty much the whole thing. I was I was actually very interested to see how the tone was going to be when they did it. So mm-hmm. it, it didn't it did not disappoint. Yeah, and tone was really the big takeaway, right? It was kind of yeah. weird. On on the one hand, he's obviously pumped to be with the Yankees. The Yankees are a World Series contender next year and he's never played on a playoff team. So he's excited about that. He's excited about playing in a lineup with all of those huge bashers like Judge and Sanchez and Bird. So on the one hand, he's pumped, and then on the other hand, he is bitter as shit towards Miami. Yeah, there was a lot of bitterness towards that whole thing. He just seemed like there's a there's a chip on the shoulder for this guy. As much, I don't even know how that's possible for an, an, uh, a former MVP who literally is coming off an MVP season. But he was really just he couldn't stand the situation that was happening in Florida. You could tell that he didn't want. He's. I mean, he was very candid with the way that he thought too and the way he was talking wide open I love that I really do I think he was uh, he was basically just telling everybody exactly what he thought and he did not want to go through another rebuild in Florida he was you could tell the frustration level on the way that the organization was he thought that there were a couple pitchers or a, you know rebuild that pitching staff a little bit and they were ready to go with their offense and you know that just wasn't the same thought process of new ownership and that was uh, that was the deal breaker he didn't want to go through another rebuild well, it came down to money, really, and that's why the Marlins and Cheaters getting all of the blame for this, but that's the reason why the Marlins traded Stan is because they didn't have the money to pay him. I, I read something where they want to get their payroll down to the 50 to $60 million range. If your payroll is $50 million, you can't be paying Giancarlo Stanton 25 of it. Yeah, that's a big discrepancy for other players. I mean... They're going to be. They're going to be pretty much. I don't know if they've decided that they're going to stick with Yelich and he's going to be like the guy that they're building around, because um, they've already gotten rid of everybody else. Ozuna's Ozuna gone. Ozuna's gone, and he he had an unbelievable season too. Yeah, he was a good player. I mean, they, he is a good player. They have good, good, some very good young talent down there. Uh, D. Gordon's gone. Uh, Ozuna's gone. Yelich may be the next one gone unless they decide that he's the guy that they want to keep and build around. But. Um, they're pretty much gutting it. I mean, Florida fans have gone out of Florida, Miami fans. They have gone through how many of these? I mean, it just seems like every time they, they make any kind of success, the right around the corner is a rebuild. And I, I know that they're, they're the, the tragic circumstances of um, Jose Fernandez as well really kind of put uh, uh, derailed the way that the franchise was going because, I mean, he was a number one ace type of guy. So that that definitely affected, I think, what happened as far as the way that ownership sold and then now with the new, uh, the new chapter. They're just trying to shed everything. Get rid of the money, build through the draft, build through trades, build through the minor leagues. You said that you love Stanton shooting from the hip and telling the media yeah. exactly what he's thinking. And I, don't get me wrong, I enjoy that too. But how do you think that's going to play in New York? Because New York City media is slightly different than Miami media. Well, I I didn't expect it from him to tell you the truth. So I think I think what I was expecting was more of the politically correct answer that was going to come out. I thought that he might talk a little bit about it, but I thought he was going to be more politically correct and and just be more um be nicer about the whole thing. Honestly, I just thought he was going to put on kind of a face and he didn't. He eviscerated I them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's like what he is on a, on like throughout the season. I have no idea. I haven't gone back and looked at any press conferences from Miami and seen the way that uh, Stanton reacts to the media. I don't know. 
but if he's anything like that, and if he just wears his his emotions on on his uh, on his sleeve and talks to the media like that, it's going to be very interesting to see how yeah. he reacts. Because, um, yeah, I mean, there could be uh, there could be some epic battles there, if you know if they're not doing well, if there if there is a, a large slump, which usually does happen at some point, then uh, I'll be very interested to see how his relationship is then. Well, the only. Uh sort of evidence and whatever evidence isn't the right word. The only press conference I've know of from Stanton in Miami was last year when he was getting all of the Aaron judge comparison questions. And he got pretty fed up with that and basically told the media to stop asking him about it. He just seems like a guy who doesn't want to put up with things that he doesn't want to deal with. He's like, all right, I'm done with this. So I'm just done with this. Just so Fine. you know, you just so a- you know, I'm done with this. So, right. You get away with that in Miami because there's 25 people at the ballpark and there's one, it's probably one national or one local writer there interviewing you. But in, in New York, you've got not only 50 different papers of 50,000 people in the stands, but you've got podcasts like ours, like dissecting every single word that comes out of these guys' mouth. It's just interesting because he's one of the guys that has not gone through the Jeter school of, of, um, of how to talk to the media, yet he was traded to the Yankees by Derek Jeter. There's a lot of ironic <laughs> things happening with this whole, with the way that it's going down. But um, I don't know. Maybe he's going to get a crash course and be like, this is how you're supposed to talk. This is how you will talk. This is how it's going to go down. We'll see if he listens. But um, it's, it's interesting. You know, the, the, that whole press conference was definitely must-see TV. I thought it was really uh, fun to watch and just the way that he – was uh, was was kind of crushing everything that the Miami Marlins were doing. It was uh, it was interesting. He told, I think there was a question where someone said, "What do you get? What's your message to Miami Marlins fans?" And he said, "Well, you know, just watch from afar because it's going to be ugly." <laughs> yeah, like, I, that is brutal. He was not holding back. He felt bad for them. I mean, he he was t- very clear saying that you know he feels bad for them the the Marlins fans because they keep going up and then crash and then I up see what and then you crash. Did there. Fan the Marlins fan. How do the you, one, yeah, the, the, the Marlins man. How do you how do you stay a, a loyal fan when they're you know the the um, the actual team doesn't have your back? It's like being a Jets fan, maybe. I don't know. It's the only thing I can compare it to because it's the only thing I know. It's like I, I put in my 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 heart and soul to this team, and then they just rip it out, just rip it out, and don't have any care in the world for the what I think the fellow the you know the average fan. They don't give a rat's ass about it. <clears throat> maybe that's what the Marlins fans feel like. Jeter's getting all the blame, but Brian Cashman actually said he didn't deal with Derek Jeter once on this whole trade. He dealt with the president of baseball operations, whose name is Michael Hill. So Jeter's getting so much blame for this, and then he got a ton of shit for being at the Monday night football game between the Pats and the uh, Dolphins instead of at the winter meetings. And he wasn't there to sort of answer to the media why they're gutting the Marlins and, and basically just selling off pieces. Uh, so Jeter has gotten himself into a situation he's never been in before. He's never been the bad guy, and now he's the bad guy. I don't know if he can handle being the bad guy. He's going to have to put up at some point in the near future, and you know he's going to feel that pressure to be like, okay, well, now now I have to really deliver and make sure that this team uh, is building and, and there's positive things happening from you know the minor leagues. But yeah, he's never been that guy, really. I don't know how many owners are actually going to the winter meetings, first of all, but... Well, he's they, not... Um, but Okay, yeah, he is an owner, like... But he's percent. part of baseball operations. He's head of baseball. He's operations. the CEO. He's the CEO of the Marlins. But at the same time, like there is a GM for a reason. Like there are other people on the staff that are not Derek Jeter that he's consulting with. Like I guarantee that at some point there was there was a, t- a conversation between Cashman and Jeter, but it wasn't part of the negotiations. That was all happening with you know Jeter and and his guy, and then you know his guy would take it to Cashman. So there was, but there's a lot of continuity going on there with Gary Denbo as well in the mix. Like there, there were a lot of Yankees guys talking to old Yankees guys. So there was those conversations were very familiar. I just think people might misunderstand how much pull Jeter has there. Yes, he is the CEO, but he still has to answer to people who have a lot more invested in the team than he does. So if the if the rest of the ownership group who owns 97, 98% of the team says we do not want to keep paying Giancarlo Stanton, then guess what? They can't keep paying him. They're going to have to trade him. Well, the other thing is, is that, you know, it's, they tried to trade him to two other teams. I mean, granted, they did it basically against his will. I mean, that's pretty much what he said. He's like, oh, I have great respect for their organizations, the Cardinals and the Giants, great people, great presentations. Just wasn't what I wanted. Just wasn't in my cards. I wanted to go to the Yankees. And he basically went and, and 
you know, met with them to appease them. But the Marlins set up these meetings and set up these deals basically under his nose that, and, and knowing that he didn't want to go there. So it was such a weird dynamic, the way that he was talking about those meetings as well and how those things happened. But it's not like Jeter only went to the Yankees and dealt with the Yankees. I mean, he tried to go out or whomever, the front office tried to go out and make deals with other people. Stanton said no. Stanton said, I want to be a Yankee. So pretty much that's, that's how it went down. That it's interesting. I heard an, uh, something through his agent that said Stanton, when he signed his 13-year deal with Miami, said he absolutely expected to one day play for the Yankees. That's so hilarious. that either means he knew he was going to be opting out after year six and then sign a contract with the Yankees, or he just envisioned this whole sort of trade going down because he knew the Marlins were going to not be able to trade him, or excuse me, going to not be able to pay him. They were going to suck again, and he was going to control his own destiny because of that no-trade clause. I mean, if you look at history, you, you would have exactly predicted that they were going to go down again and then they were going to sell off their assets. So if he thought that, I mean, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't really reaching very far out of the blue. I mean, there's, there's literally a precedent set by the way that the Marlins have conducted business in the past. So who's, why wouldn't they do the same thing again? And, and they did. Well, they were never really up this time, though. 97, that's true. That is the only, that's they the win difference. the World Series. 0-3, they win the World Series. They, yeah. They've just been kind of hovering around mediocrity for the last, whatever it is, seven years since I think Stanton came in the league in 2010. They've been, they haven't been a playoff contender in those seven years. They've just been average. And I think that's, I don't know if that's better or worse as a fan. Like, you're, you know what you are. You're not going to compete. So at that point, don't you just kind of want to tear it down and go back up? I mean, you're not, you're not a, a franchise that stays on top and, and is always on top. you got to really work for it. you got to get those pieces. And if it's not there, um, I really do think the, the Jose Fernandez tragedy was, was a huge part of this whole thing. Because you keep him in the mix and you have that, that clear number one ace, that's a different team. And you can build around those guys. And you can actually have a shot at a championship when you have the offense that they had and a clear number one, and then you can build upon that. But when when that happened, then when that situation happened, I think it, it totally changed the way that they outlook. They saw the future of the, the franchise. People are still bitching about collusion and the fact that the Yankees did not have to give up any of their top prospects. I believe um, uh, the, the highest rated prospect was in their top 30, right? But that's it? Yeah, Collusion yeah. makes no sense, though, because of the other dealings. Because of the other deals, the collusion angle makes zero sense. Right. It's, it's, it's a, just, it's the Yankees dumb. were the team that was willing to pay the most of his $295 million. That's what it came down to. It came down to yes. money. Money right. and only money was the reason that Stanton is on the Yankees. And that's really why it kind of feels almost like a free agent signing, doesn't it? It does feel like a free agent signing. Well, and the other thing about the uh, the Dodgers weren't able to pay the money um, – or the the amount of the the prospects that they were giving up apparently weren't what the Yankees had as well. Even though they're not top prospects, the guys in the Marlins, Gary Denbo, knows who these guys are. He's very familiar with the guys that are coming over. So I think there's a different level. If you want to talk about the level of comfort, that's where the level of comfort was. He was able to say, well, I know these guys aren't in their top 10, but I know who they are, and I think they have the, the potential to do that. He doesn't know that about the number 30 prospect with the Dodgers system. If you want to talk about collusion, talk about the fact that uh, Aaron Boone dropped this little nugget on people at the winter meetings is that he is the same agent as Stanton, jo- Joel Wolf. So maybe there's that's some... Just, that's just a happy coincidence. Back, back, uh, <laughs> back dealings, communications there. Boone can get Stanton's number, text him behind, behind everyone's back before this is even going down saying, hey, we'd love to have you in the Bronx. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just a nice happy coincidence. I love that. That's he just, also that's, said... That's good business. Wolf also said that Stanton has no intention of opting out. He said well, this no is, shit. he wanted to, once he is being traded to the Yankees, this is where he wants to be. He has no intention of opting out. So 2028, I think we, we kind of saw, we saw a nice little bubble. Everybody's talking about the Bitcoin bubble. It's like it went all over the news now, but we saw a bubble of inflation of what happened with, with contracts in baseball. And I think you're, we're going to start seeing, and we have started already to start to see them tear down and tear down. They tried doing it with these longer term contracts with all these opt out and options and things like that to kind of alleviate the price. But they're just, I don't know. I, like, I, I know that we may see some giant contracts next year with, uh, with Harper and Machado, but I, I just feel like they're going to be, they're not going to be as long as people are expecting. And I still, I called this back in the, back what last year when Harper, remember when the Nationals gave him that little extension and and you you poo pooed me. You said no, that's that's not a little uh, glad handing. I still think it was glad handing, being like, look, we're going to give this to you. We don't have to give this to you, but we're going to. I still think he's staying in in, uh, in Washington, even 
even with everything happening, it's just the, it's the move that makes the most sense. Well, he's not going to come to the Yankees because they don't have any room for him. Well, I mean, they might. Who knows? Cashman moves people to make room for others. So I guess knows? we thought that about Manny Machado, and there's rumors that the Yankees are in on Manny Machado, but it seems like the Orioles are, will do everything in their power to not trade Machado to the Yankees. Let's get something straight. The Orioles are little, little like stepbrother. They're not even like the little brother, like the little stepbrother. If the Yankees want to get him, they'll get him. What? They'll do something and they'll go and get it. They'll, gonna... they'll, they'll, they'll come over there and they'll just dominate a, a negotiation. You know, walking into the room, the Orioles are like, no, I'm not going to do this. And then by the end, they're like, fine, we'll do it. No problem. Sorry. Yeah, see, I think Cashman has the men in black memory eraser or something because how is he getting all this shit done? How did he get San Diego to take Chase Headley's $13 million contract? How did he do no that? Idea. Like, I don't know. That is complete wizardry. Yeah, it's, it's genius. It's amazing. It's really... It's amazing. I it's, thought it was. I thought I was. I thought there were fake accounts on Twitter. I thought it was like, like the fake Ken Rosenthal tweeting that out. I was like, "There's no way this is true." Back to San Diego, paying his thirteen million dollar contract. Like this is not. This has got to be fake news. Yeah, no, one hundred percent real news. Chase Headley, your boy, which I'm a little disappointed on because we have nothing really to complain about with Headley anymore. That's a little little poor one for the home. I feel like all of our guys that we complain about are gone. We have every single one of them. We got to find new people to complain about because granted they will show up. There's no doubt. They will show up. It will show their ugly heads, but all the old characters, the cast, the, the, the band is gone. They're all gone. It was a complete salary dump. Both Headley and Brian Mitchell going to San Diego in exchange for Jabari Blash. So you pretty much cancel out Blash and Mitchell's 500 and something thousand dollar contract for 2018, but you dump the 13 million and that was so key. They did it with um, Castro, dumped about 11 million with Castro, dumped 13 million with Headley, and then that pretty much equals Stanton's money for 2018. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how Cashman has done this. And you know, I don't know if he had a lot of these things in, in play and he, you know, he kind of knew he, where he could go to get the, uh, the Headley contract gone. Like, I thought the Headley contract was one that was going to be very difficult to get rid of. Now I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised if he gets rid of this Ellsbury contract because it seems like he's been doing it with everybody else. I think Ellsbury is the, the, the biggest, you know, the worst contract, one of the worst contracts in baseball right now, and it'd be very tough for someone to get it. But you're looking also kind of what the Dodgers did with the Braves. I could see something like that still. I still could see something like that where you take a bad contract, I take a bad contract, and someone takes a hit on the years, but we get a lot of money off the books. I could see something going down like that. There were reports that the Yankees are willing to pay up to half of Ellsbury's money, but I don't even think a team would have Ellsbury for $11 million a year. That's still a waste of money. That's the thing. I mean, we're seeing, we'll talk about the, some of the hot, the hot stove rumors, but we're looking at a guy like um, Eduardo Nunez, right? Who was, I think you had told me we were talking about this before we started recording, but the tra- uh, MLB trade rumors had him projected as a two-year $14 million guy. That's $7 million a year. Who would you rather have? I don't even care if you could play defense. Do, do you want a guy like Eduardo Nunez who, who no. can actually contribute or Ellsbury? But I'm saying you're looking at the market. Even half of it is not, not what Ellsbury's worth. He's not, he's not there. No, but also one's an outfielder who they're just paying because they gave him a stupid contract three years ago, and the other guy is an infielder. And they Nunez do need can infielders. play left field. Nunez can't play the infield, so you might as well put him in the outfield. Okay, they don't need any more left fielders. <laughs> They've got left fielders coming my, out my of their My point is, is in, in baseball, I'm talking about his value. There is yes. no one who's going to go around and going to take an $11 million evaluation on uh, uh, freaking Jacoby Ellsbury. He's not yeah. worth it. Unless they get some rumblings that he's back on the stuff he was in 2011. That or they're going to pay for prospects. That's, that's the deal. If you're looking at the yeah. Yankees taking half, and what they would do is they would take half, they would pay half, and then there would be some prospects underneath that in that same deal. And essentially what you would see is another team taking Jacoby Ellsbury and then buying prospects. So let's talk about what trading Headley means for the infield and also what acquiring Stanton means for the outfield because a lot of stuff also came out this week that is good insight in how they're going to sort of organize the roster. Cashman talked to Judge before the trade went down. Judge said he's pumped, but he talked to him about the right field DH rotation. And then Boone said he still expects to get Judge, Stanton, and Gary Sanchez a ton of time at DH. So this leads me to believe it's going to be more of a split than we maybe talked about on the last episode. Yeah, I think there's going to be, well, I, I don't know if there's necessarily going to be a, a split. I still believe that Stanton's going to be more of a primary designated hitter, and then they'll, they'll rotate him in. I, I don't know. For whatever reason, I think that. Because, you know, the incumbent judge is in right field. It's his spot already. I, could, I have a hard time 
believing they're going to kick him out of there at 50% of the time. I still believe that Stanton's going to be the primary designated hitter, and then they'll get him in the field um, on on off days. And I, I think there's a lot of room for rotation there still, but I still think Judge is the opening day right fielder, and opening day Stanton is the uh, designated hitter. So we'll see how it works out. But I, the, the one thing I really like is, and something I am a big fan of, is how Boone seems to be thinking. It seems like he he recognizes that these guys are baseball players and the baseball players can play multiple positions. If you put them in left field, you put them in right field, like, yes, it'll be an adjustment. Yes, there are going to be some growing pains, but there are but these guys can handle it. They can do that. So putting, them in le- uh, putting Stanton in left field uh, on times uh, when there's, you know, you want to get both of their bats in. Like, I love that. I think that, that Aaron Boone is on the more progressive side of playing guys out of position. And I kind of love that because I think if you're a baseball player at the major league level, you could play multiple positions most likely. That would be awesome. He talked about doing it if there was a tough lefty on the mound, getting Stanton and Judge both in the field to get the, the maximum amount of righties in there. And we've how many times have we said this on the podcast over the last two years, talking about what Joe Madden did with yeah. a lot of his players in Chicago. Exactly. Just, we're not talking about moving Stanton to catcher. It's just moving over to left field. Well, and it was one of those things. This was this this whole thing started what two years ago with Ref Snyder. Like this whole thing when we wanted Ref Snyder to come up and play. It a all position, comes back to Ref. It did. It, it circles back. Ref Snyder's the the key to everything. But it did because we had Stephen Drew at sec at second base, and then everybody was talking about Ref Snyder and how he can't play the infield and he's a natural outfielder. Like this dude is an athlete. He will figure it out. Nothing is worse than Stephen Drew. Nothing. Put him there, and you know he's it turned out that he could play a decent second base. Obviously that he didn't become the player that I hoped he would be, <laughs> but it does prove there are a lot more guys that are more capable than I think the average fan thinks these guys can play more positions. Like if you sign, if the Yankees signed Todd Frazier tomorrow and they said, he's going to play third base, but he's also going to play first base and maybe a little bit of right field at times, whatever. I guarantee he could do it. Does the door does, is the door open back up for Todd Frazier now that Chase Headley's gone? I think it does. I think it really does because I think one now that there's there's actually room for money, um, and you know I, I don't think the Yankees are going to be going into the season with a guy like Anduar at third base. I don't think they're confident in his defense at all. Um, and you know maybe Torres can play uh, third base, and then they they get somebody to fill in at, at second, or, or Torres plays second for a little while. I just don't think that they're they're confident in having a um, a guy like Anduar start the season at third base. So I do believe they're going to bring somebody in. I still think Torres is going to go to second, and I and I think they're going to bring somebody in for third. And Frazier could fit that bill. I think he fits that bill really well. He just had a signing with Models and Thomas River as a Yankee. So you know, I'm just saying, the Yankee fans were coming out. There weren't there were no White Sox fans or Reds fans coming out. Those were Yankees fans coming out. So now since he's back uh, signing deals in Tom's River, he's basically limited. Uh, limited himself to the Yankees, the Mets, and the Phillies. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's already been very clear that he wants to play for the Yankees, right? He loved yeah. playing for the Yankees. All this is, uh, you know, this is where he had a, a blast playing. I, I know the Yankees fans really uh, opened up to Todd Frazier. I mean, how could you not? He's just one of those guys. The only thing that makes me nervous with the, uh, a Todd Frazier signing is is just the type of player he is offensively. Um, he's a swing and miss guy as well. You're going to get a lot of strikeouts. You're going to get a low batting average, a lot of home runs. Like we have a lot of those guys already. Uh, but he and, provides and really good third base defense. That's the difference. That's the, the big difference with him is he's like locked down third base. And you can almost live with, and I still think he's better. Uh, I think he's a better player than what we saw. Maybe he was towards at, the end of no, the season, he was actually he playing pretty, better. If you look at just his numbers with the Yankees, I think his batting average was like 220, but I think it was a 30 home run season. Yeah, well, he he started picking it up. I think at the beginning he was definitely slow. I, I think he's a better player than what we saw in Chicago. Um, so I, I think his numbers actually have a lot of room for improvement. So I would personally love them to come go back and sign him. And you know, if it, if it's that second year that it, that does it, uh, you know, maybe they can go to that now with their I don't want to call it flexibility in, in salary, but you know, maybe there uh, maybe there is a bit of flexibility. And and if he says that I will play different positions then that could open him up to a different role also for next year if they were to go after Machado. Yeah, that's the thing. I just don't see him walking away from another team giving him two years guaranteed or maybe even three years guaranteed if the Yankees are only offering him one. doesn't matter how much he wants to be in New York. I agree with that. I think the the contract, and I, like I said before, I think you know he could make a decision where if he were to sign a one-year deal and, and he says, well, I didn't show my best 
but I have the potential to, show, to put up really big numbers in this ballpark with this lineup around me, then it might behoove him to sign that one-year deal as kind of a prove-it contract, go out there, show that he could play a lockdown third base again, show that he can hit 30 home runs and you know hit for a, a semi-decent average. Because I think if he did that on a one-year deal, he would be set up to make a lot of money next year. He would be a really good mentor for a guy like Anduar, though, at third base. Yeah, but if you have Frazier back, like Anduar, I don't know where Anduar is going at that point. Like he's going to be in AAA pretty much the whole year. Okay, but you got you got two months with him in spring training, and there's always injuries. I mean, Anduar got a chance to come up for a game last year to show what he could do offensively. Anduar's bat is ready for the major leagues. His defense isn't. Right, and and I think they. Um they have some interesting decisions with the guys that are, I think, like that. You you have two guys that are very clear with uh, Anduar and Frazier who seem to be uh, either ready right now or on the cusp of being ready. And, you know, uh, some, some extended time in AAA for them to just kind of perfect their craft could, one, increase their value to help the Yankees get pitching later down because I still think they're going to need pitching after this year. And the vision, like, I think a lot of people lose vision on where the Yankees are, are thinking. They're not thinking all 2018 they're thinking four years. They're thinking three to four years. So they have to make decisions based on that. They can't just blow their load on one year and then expect uh, things to happen. They have to, even even holding back prospects, knowing that they could go out and get you know a better return on them in 2019 might be worth it than doing it right now. Another reason they have a couple extra dollars to spend is because CC gave them actually slightly a hometown discount. Yeah, one year, $10 million for CC, I think, is very reasonable. What did we say? What did we guess? Like 12 to $15 million range based on his season last year and the history he has with the Yankees. So when I saw one year, $10 million, I was pretty happy. Yeah, we kept going back to that uh, Hiroki Kuroda deal, which I think was actually higher than that. I think it was like 16 or 17, wasn't it? It was, it was maybe around 16. But it was, a, it was a similar contract in the sense that it was a one-year deal, and he just kept stacking those one-year deals as he proved that he could continue to pitch. And... Um, with Kuroda, I think it was, it was also not only that he could pitch, but if he wanted to be in the States because he wanted to go back to Japan. But with CeCe, you know, I, I, again, all that smoke and mirrors with freaking the Blue Jays and what was the other team? There was another team Anaheim. involved. Anaheim, please. It was all bullshit. It was all a bunch of GM meetings, just having small meetings, like the agent. Well, it clearly wasn't to was drive happening. the it clearly wasn't to drive the price up for the Yankees. He no, was but it was looking for something respectable from Brian Cashman. Well, that, and I think it was, yeah, well, I, I think the other ones, um, he, maybe he wanted to set a market as well. I mean, he wanted to see where his market was so that he could go into Cashman negotiations a little bit better. And, uh, and knowing that he wanted to be in New York, I mean, I think if, if the agent did take those meetings and actually did talk money with these guys, if they got to that point where they're saying, we could offer you this, then, you know, he's able to take that back and say, look, this is where we are with two other teams. We don't want to go there at all. <laughs> we want to stay in New York. What can we do? So with CC back as the fifth starter, it kind of we know what the rotation's going to be. In sp- at least leaving spring training, it's going to be uh, Tanaka, Severino, Sonny Gray, CC Sabathia, Jordan Montgomery are going to be the five guys. Yep, that's it. It's it's a uh, it's one hundred percent. That's it. Uh, barring everybody's healthy, that's what we're going to see. And um, I know there's been a lot of rumors and talks about more trades and, and getting another pitcher. It's hard for me to find the, the Yankees right now going after a, a guy that's going to slot into the rotation right now because I, there's no spot for it. Like, I don't know what, where this person would go. And I understand that the pitching depth is, is important, but when you're looking at pitching depth for the Yankees right now, you're looking in AAA, you're looking in um, even AA with Justice Sheffield who will be in AAA this year. you got guys down there who, who can add to that. Um, Chad Green is another guy now is... We said they said he's coming in as a starter. Does that change now that CC's back? I don't know. Well, maybe it changes acquiring another pitcher like Garrett Cole, Michael Fulmer. These are sort of the starting pitchers that have been rumored to be coming to the Yankees. Might change if Montgomery's in those trade talks. That's true. I, I think Montgomery could be involved now that he's proved that he can be a pitcher on the major league level. But at the same time, I you know give me give me Jordan Montgomery overtaking a guy on like Fulmer or Garrett Cole. Honestly, I think the upside is there. You know, it's a, he's a lefty guy who can, who can pitch very well in Yankee Stadium. Like, that's a true asset to have, especially if he's there with a guy like CeCe and can just learn the ins and outs. I have a lot of, I, have a lot of, uh, I think the ceiling is a lot higher on Jordan Montgomery right now than it is on, I'm not going to say that Michael Fulmer because obviously he was rookie of the year and uh, he probably took a step back, but he was also on a terrible Detroit team. Um, but Cole's, a, you know, Cole's been a great pitcher for a long time. He had one, uh, I think last year, he had like 30 home runs, which is bad news if he's coming over to Yankee Stadium. But he's been a pretty good pitcher for a long time, and he has one more year 
of arbitration, so he's cheap. So I'm not I'm I, I'm not ready to say that that uh, Montgomery is as good as those two pitchers. But maybe when you factor in what you'd be giving up if you're giving up. Uh, also Clint Frazier or a top level prospect to acquire them, then it might just not make sense for the Yankees who have five legitimate starting pitchers going into the season. Yeah, there's going to be injuries. Sabathia is not going to make it through 30 starts. This is flat out. We were shocked when he did a, when he pitched 150 innings last year, that was a lot, right? So uh, it's not going to, I mean, it's just, this is impossible for five pitchers to go through an entire season without missing a few starts. So you're going to need six or seven starters to come in. But, but the problem is that the problem is going after, trying to go after in a trade for one of those guys who's definitely going to be in your rotation. There's got to be a, a spot moved, right? So you are looking at a, a Montgomery, trading a, a guy like, uh, like Jordan Montgomery. And I just don't know. And then potentially another guy attached to that. Like, I don't know if that's worth it. I really don't. Jordan Montgomery showed a lot of really good things. And, I have confidence in Jordan Montgomery to come in and do well. Is is Garrett Cole going to be that much better than Jordan Montgomery? I, I really don't have a lot of confidence in that. I don't. Wow. You know, you I, I know he came like off. Garrett Cole. Well, I think he. You know, maybe it's a that that second year after his injury. But did he have Tommy John or he had a, a major injury last year? I think or the year before. He he's been hurt, and you know, I don't. He wasn't the same guy. And a lot of times, pitchers <laughs> take two years to come back from that type of thing. Um, and you get yeah. the whole National League coming over to the American League. There's always an adjustment there. Yeah, he kind of he kind of dicked us over too when he was drafted by the Yankees. And went back. And <laughs> okay, was, was now little, we're getting... maybe I'm maybe I'm holding some feelings back. I don't know. Yep. Now we're but, getting to the root. Of and it. Fulmer's kind of an asshole, wasn't he? The one who started that? Was he the pitcher on the mound? Yes, he was. Right. Yeah, he I plunked so. Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, both those guys kind of dicks. So like, <laughs> I, I kind of don't want them pitchers. on my team. <laughs> the uh, well, the Detroit is apparently asking for two top level prospects. Yeah, uh, Detroit between, can sit on their own hands. That's between, bullshit. Not happening. Uh, Gliber. Chance Adams, Justice Sheffield, and uh, Floreal. They want two of those four guys. Right. Good luck with that. That's uh, See, that. this is my point. When we're talking about not just looking at 2018, I think if fans are looking at that and they're saying, and I know fans aren't because, honestly, the majority of the fans that I, that I interact with and see who, who, uh, who are talking about this team, they want their prospects. They still want to keep their prospects. It's not just about 2018. It's about 2018, 19, 20, 21, and probably 22. Like these, these guys can go on a very long run. If you blow it on a guy like like uh, that's a that's a maybe like Cole, I don't know. I just I don't have a lot of confidence in that. I'd rather see. We have five starters, so let's just let's just hold our uh, hold our cards. Maybe develop some guys in the minors, which there's a lot of young pitching in the minors. We talked about I think last episode or the the one before that. The Yankees spent a lot of money in. Um, uh, the international pool money on young pitching and they've acquired a lot of young pitching over with trades. So there are guys developing in the minor leagues at lower levels as well that, that could make that next, that next jump. So I'm not ready to, uh, to sell a lot of these guys for somebody that might be, you know, a one or two game upgrade. And if you bring in someone like Cole or Fulmer that, and don't trade Montgomery, that means he's starting in AAA and that's just stunting his growth at this point. And, and look at next year, look at like not just 2018, but, uh, look at 2019, immediately, 2019. If you're talking about trading Clint Frazier right now for a guy like uh, Garrett Cole, who maybe is an upgrade, maybe not, but maybe, I don't know, it's it's too close to me, then then Frazier is gone. And now you have another outfield spot open for 2019 when Frazier absolutely is going to be that guy in left field, right? Like he's the next left fielder, most likely. That's It feels like a, 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 a perfect move. That's the idea, but right now he's considerably blocked. So are we going to make a determination based on just one year? We, we saw no, how many outfielders Cashman needs made to weigh the value he can get for um, Clint Frazier now versus what he can do for them in a year and a half, two years. Well, and also yeah. next year as well, because there's going to be injuries. How many outfielders did we see come up and play for the Yankees this oh, year? Sure. There were a lot. I mean, that's so the only Frazier reason, will get a spot. And that's the only reason he got a spot in 2017. Right. So I, I, I still think the value is holding on to Frazier. Because I one, I think the kid has ridiculous talent. hasn't really shown what he can do yet. I think as he physically matures and mentally matures in this next year, year and a half, I think it's a big step for him. Is going to be he's really going to be able to show um, what he is. Because I think that the physical talent is going to really start showing once his his mindset gets to the right place and once he like you know just mentally matures to the the triple A slash major league level i think he's going to be a very good player and i think they'd be making a big mistake if they if they traded him for cole 
With all the trades and the CC resigning, the Yankees payroll is about $155 million as it stands right now, according to baseball reference. They factor in arbitration raises as well. So if they go into next season with $150 to $160 million payroll, that's almost $50 million below what it was last year. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. So, and the other thing about that is, is that's the end of the year, right? So it's the end of 2018 and when that threshold is. And if they do have that room, that gives, that gives Cashman some flexibility to go out and make a move at the trade deadline. Yes. You know, may, maybe something does happen. Maybe some of these pitchers go down. Maybe CC is not healthy going into um, June, July of next year. Well, then now not only does Cashman have a, you know, a, a, a very good hand when he had, when you're talking about the dealing prospects and very, very good high level prospects, but he also has money to play with. So to still stay under that threshold. And he's again in that power position to go out and get a guy um, that could put him over the top. And you saw what last year he did. He did it not only for 2017, but he got guys that were controlled. <laughs> he got guys that were controlled for a couple of years. So Cashman's not, not not looking at this as just a short-term thing. I think if he holds his cards, he's going to be in a, even more of a power position. So you're going to miss Michael Pineda? He officially signs a two-year contract with the Twins? It's perfect, right? Go to the Twins. It's like <laughs> They it's, love the Yankees' sloppy seconds. I, got, he, it's such a great home. <laughs> they got uh, Carl Pavano back in the day, Phil Hughes, and now Michael Pineda. And don't forget about John Ryan Murphy. Yeah, don't call him, don't call him John Ryan Murphy. No, no, don't or, call him JR. Call don't him call him Ryan. JR Murphy, that's right, yeah. The, um, the, the twins are perfect. It's a perfect, perfect spot for him. I don't, I don't think they're, I think they're a lot more patient out in Minnesota and they'll deal with his Jekyll and Hyde Big type of situation. Park. He can give up yeah. a lot of deep fly balls. Yeah. He can maybe spin it's a, a lot Maybe of it's sliders. a great place for Michael Pineda. Maybe he now can, can just, you know, have the flailing arms. He could get some, some sponsorship deals with a couple, uh, uh, local car dealers and it's a, just a perfect match. Okay. So once and for all final, final answer. Who won the Michael Pineda Jesus Montero trade? Everybody lost. <laughs> and we're all losers. Everybody I totally lost. agree with that. We're all dumber now for that whole trade. It's <laughs> we like are in, all dumb. It's like in Billy Madison when the guy says, yeah. I am now dumber for having heard you say that. We're all yes. now dumber for watching Michael Pineda and Jesus Montero try and play baseball. Yeah, from pine tar to ice cream sandwiches to throwing things at, at scouts in the, in the stands. They're just two jackasses that were traded back and forth. It was um, what's the uh, oh, I can't think of it. What was the um, on on Curb Your Enthusiasm? I don't I don't know if you watched it this 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 year where you're trying to pass off the assistant who's terrible to another person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what this that. was. <laughs> they were both passing him off. They were both passing him off. So now the 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 Mar- the Mariners had uh, Montero disaster, and then Pineda was more of a stretched out disaster. Like it didn't come to fruition that it was a disaster until a little bit later. But yeah, it was just annoying. I mean, it he was definitely annoying. helped more, but it was of course, annoying. I mean, he played. <laughs> like he did play. Yeah. He could have just uh, he could have done anything, and he would have done more than Montero. But uh, the whole thing was a disaster. Okay, hot stove. Some final hot stove rumors. Manny Machado. What the hell? Like, <laughs> I would feel very dirty if the Yankees actually acquire Manny Machado this offseason. Like, what? because there's too much talent. It's too then? much. It's too yeah. much. Yes, it's too much. I see what you're saying. You, you, you feel like, uh, to me, it's a bad baseball move also, unless there is a deal that's, you know, there's a handshake agreement or it's, it's signed in pencil or whatever it is. It's ready to go. Um, what, that he's going to sign a contract after the year? Yes. And that would be solidifying. You don't have to go through the negotiations at that point if, like, that's a deal. But, but at you the same time, give up Baltimore, Baltimore's going to be asking for a king's ransom. So... Look, if, if the Yankees wanted Machado, I think they could get him right now, and I think they could extend him, but I don't want them to do that. I would rather take my chances next year, keep what we have, flip them for pitching if need be, and then go and sign him as a free agent or not sign him as a free agent. But at least we'd have that opportunity to go after him and, and, and negotiate. Because I think that the market for him, one, is going to be massive because I still believe that Harper's going to sign uh, with the Nationals. So then you're going to be looking at Manny Machado as the guy out there. and is, Or Arenado a free agent too? I think he might be. Well, if he's not, not going to get as much money as Machado year. because he's a lot. He's not a lot, but he's older. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm saying there's two third basemen then. I'm not even sure if uh, Arenado, I have to look that up. But the, the fact is that he would be the guy out there if, uh, if Harper does sign with the Nationals again. So um, I don't think Machado is going back to Baltimore. I think that's probably like less than 10%. And 
I, uh, I, I just, I, I don't think it's worth it at this point. Well, there were, there's reports that said the Orioles, part of their dealings with other teams is that you can't flip them to New York. So they, I don't, you say if the Yankees want him, they can get him. I don't think they can. Well, I just think that Brian Cashman will go in and just wave his magic wand and he'll, he'll get him somehow. That's I think it's, it's too based much. on, it's based on, it's all confidence on Cashman, honestly. It's too much bad PR for Duquette and the Orioles ownership to trade their franchise player to the Yankees. I guess. But at the same time, they would be getting a haul back if that were the case. Look, I think it's bad business, personally, on both, on both sides. I think it's bad business for the Yankees to give, to give up a lot of their prospects, high-level prospects, for one year of a guy that may not sign. I don't think it's worth it. Again, I still think that we're, we're looking at a longer-term vision, four to five years. That, that, does not, that does not lean towards them going and signing and giving up their, their minor league system, basically, for a Manny Machado. It just doesn't make sense. There's an embarrassment of offense on this team right now. Manny Machado would absolutely make them better, but do they really need that much of an upgrade in offense right now? Do they? Because I don't think so. No. And I know I've heard some people say that... Um Oh, the Yankees still don't have pitching. Yeah, they acquired uh, acquired Stanton. They have Judge, Sanchez, DD, blah, 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 but they still don't have pitching. And I, I disagree with that because I think, like we just said, they have five legitimate starting pitchers. Might not be the best rotation in baseball, but it's certainly in the top third in baseball. And then you've got one of the two or three best bullpens in the league. So I think combined as a pitching staff, they're going to be fine. I think people still forget that we got Sonny Gray in the middle of the season. Did people forget that? Because, I mean, I know he wasn't the, the best uh, towards the end, but he, when he came over, he had the lowest ERA in the American League. Like, this guy was one of the top flight number one pitchers in the American League, and he's still relatively young and controlled. Like, they're, they're, they're top three right now with, with uh, Tanaka, Severino, and, and Sonny Gray. I mean, that's really good. I like it. <laughs> that's a really good top three. I, I, I agree. And I think if you went and look at other teams, four and five starters, you're not going to find much better than Sabathia and Montgomery. Yeah, so I, I think that is overblown. And again, I, I do believe there's a lot of talent in the minors for Yankees right now for on the pitching side. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. There is a lot of talent coming up. And I think we're going to see that coming about in the next two years. And we're going to see one or two guys really emerge as, a, as, as a, you know, a very solid starter. And that's not to say that Chad Green can't be that guy right now. He could be. I mean, that's a guy that they're going to use with the, with the rotation pretty much set at the five guys right now. If they do bring in Chad Green as a starter, which I don't know if they'll still do, I'm not sure how that's going to work. But, and I, and I kind of hope they don't do it midseason. Like, then we're talking about totally about Jabba and Phil Hughes and how they messed with them midseason. I kind of hope that doesn't play into it. But Chad Green could be that next guy in there who could be a major, major difference maker in the rotation as well. Yeah, see, the problem is that now there's no spot for him. And I think right. you can go from starter to reliever easier than reliever to starter. So if he got a chance out of spring training to be a starter and it didn't work out, fine. Send him back to the bullpen. But now... He's not going to beat out Montgomery and Sabathia for the starting rotation, barring no. injury. So you're looking at him coming from the bullpen, where he's going to be great, and then moving him into a starter spot if they need someone to fill in. And I just don't like the idea of that. Yeah, no, I, I don't like the midseason thing. And, and I think that does throw a wrinkle into how they're going to handle him. Maybe they do bring him still in at spring training and um, you know, hope that he can make that transition back into the bullpen if everybody stays healthy. I mean, injuries can happen in spring training too. We saw how, uh, you know, even Tanaka almost came out of the gate horrible and he had like a dead arm out of spring training. There's a lot of things that can happen. Brian Mitchell two years ago was supposed to get that fifth, that fifth starter spot and had uh, what turf toe with the, in one of the, the last week of spring training. So there's a lot of things that can happen then. And you got to be ready for even something like that. Like you got to be ready for the potential of an injury early in the season. And, you know, Justice Sheffield ain't ready to come up now. Chance Adams probably isn't ready considering the Yankees didn't think he was ready at the end of last year. Probably not going to be ready in the beginning of this year until he shows some more of what they want to see in spring training and into uh, the season in, in Scranton. So there's, there's definitely uh, question marks for that number six guy. Last topic before we get to the Jabari Blash uh, segment is some coaching staff hires were made. So we know who the bench coach is going to be, Josh Bard. He's got a personal relationship with uh, Aaron Boone, and I know that he is a catcher. So that relationship with Gary Sanchez is also important. We got Phil Nevin at third base, which I, I believe I'll now give you the stage to pat yourself on the back for. 
Thank you very much. I did call that a few weeks ago. It looked like he was a, a guy that was a perfect fit. Turns out it was. And if people are like, hey, Phil Nevin, that sounds familiar. Yeah, he was drafted first overall in 92, the year Jeter was drafted. Oh, there's so many storylines <laughs> going back to Jeter. It's beautiful. Uh, Reggie Willits is the first base coach. He was already with the organization. He was the base running and outfield coach for the Yankees. I believe it was outfield coordinator was his official title, which I didn't yeah, know was coordinated, a, I didn't know was a real position. He told them where to be. He didn't, he didn't actually coach them. Just told them left, right, right, left, in, out. That's it. And uh, Rothschild obviously remains as the pitching coach. And we looked it up right before the show. Marcus Thames was promoted to hitting coach. So Alan Cockrell was the hitting coach. Thames was the assistant. Now it's Thames full-time hitting coach. Were they? I think they were both assistants technically. I don't know how that was. Assistant worked, to were, the hitting coach? Is yeah, they were like office they, it was a, situation. It was a split. It was like a co-hitting coach. But Marcus Timms coming up. See, Marcus Timms is interesting to me. Like I'm glad that they kept him there because that actually does keep some continuity in there as well. Because Marcus Timms was in AAA and and in the, the minor league system with a lot of these guys. So you know you're seeing that that level of um, comfort with these guys and Marcus Timms. He knows these guys very well. All the guys that came up with this in the system. Um, so I'm glad that they did keep that consistency and that, uh, you know, a bit of um, just familiarity in the coaching staff by keeping him on board. So I think that was a smart move. One final thing. I know I said that was the last topic, but I, I, I will. I can't get out of here without saying. Otani. Thank God we dodged a bullet with Shohei Otani. Uh, first degree UCL sprain in his pitching arm. Are you freaking kidding me? They had to have known that, right? They had to have known that. that Apparently that all teams knew this. Yeah. Apparently so, this was well known throughout baseball. But it wasn't going to be it, – it came out in the wrong way, apparently. I think the Angels organization is pissed in the way it was leaked. But they knew, the Angels knew, all teams in on him knew this was the situation. I, what was the injury? Didn't he have an injury in Japan? And Was that it? Was it no, no, no. The injury, he, he, had, no, an he, had a, he had an ankle. Okay. Yeah, so this is um, – Obviously, don't they don't think it's much. They don't think it's something that's going to affect him long term. But and, and and again, the the signing him like to me, you're you're looking at that. Even if you do have that, like this is a guy that signed for nothing. There's no money there, so who cares? Twenty million to the ham fighters. Uh, yeah, twenty million for the it's ham, not chump, the ham it's fighters. Not chump, it's not chump change. It's not chump change. You're right, but at the same time, the potential of a guy who's who they they've obviously done all of the the medicals on him, and they don't think it's going to be something long term, and it's not going to be a big issue. So, it's a sprain. I mean, he sprained it. He sprained it. He sprained it. I don't know. Uh, I Isn't think it it's just interesting the way it came out. Isn't it weirder now that he decided to come to the majors now instead of getting healthy in Japan, putting up monster numbers, which we know he can do in Japan, and then at 25 years old signing his 150 million dollar contract? There's a bunch of things that are strange with this dude and the decisions that he's made. I, I don't really understand him. Um, apparently, he doesn't care about money. That's what people have said. So that, that's cool. So he's rich. Um, he's rich. His family wealth. Maybe he's uh, yeah. Maybe he's like a, a, a you know a, a hedge fund baby. He's got some. He's got some money loaded in the family, ready to go. He's got he's got a nice little trust fund waiting for him. I don't know. I don't know what this guy is, but he's uh, he's not our problem anymore. So that's fine. All right. Any last words before we get to to the uh, Jabari Blash segment? No, just good stuff. I'm glad that things are coming to fruition. We're starting to see the the, the landscape of what the Yankees are going to look like, um, even with two spots really wide open. But that's kind of exciting to me. Like, I feel like now we have the potential for a, a third baseman coming in, maybe Todd Frazier, and then you know I, the potential of having Torres, like another plus, 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 plus bat in that lineup uh, that's a young guy that, that has come over. Just a lot of excitement, man. It's, uh, it's fun. And I think this team is really shaping up to be something special. Love it. Talk to you guys next week. Hey, yo, to me, freedom is the feeling of an ocean breeze. East Coast, North Carolina, got a potent From the oak leaves out to the open sea. See it like oak leaves, then I let it go with ease. Joining me on the podcast now is newest member of the Yankees organization, Jabari Blash. What's up, Jabari? Uh, good, good. Thanks for having me. So I saw you tweet out right after the trade went down. You said, "Is this real life?" So I know you're you're pretty pumped up to be a part of the Yankees. Of course, who um, who wouldn't be? You know, that's one of the greatest organizations of all time, and um, it was it was just suddenly so unexpected and um, definitely an exciting experience. So how uh, how'd you find out about the news? Well, um, well, pretty much my agent called me early morning. And he said um, he told me that. He thinks that I've just been traded to the Yankees and that to give it a few minutes um, for it to be finalized and um, come back and tell me that I'm a Yankee. And um, so it was... We, go ahead. 
No, no, no. I was going to say that we've talked to a couple players in the past who have been traded as well. And I always am curious, is it nerve wracking for you going through that kind of process? No, um, I wouldn't use nerve wracking. It was just, it was, I don't know. It was different. You know, it was, it was, um, you know, you're, you're a Yankee, you know, it's, even even to say it, it's a bit different, but um, <laughs> I don't think nerve-wracking would be the word I would use. Well, did you know you were on the trading block? Um, I had no idea. I had no idea. Um, I had no idea. Right, so that's that's the sort of the thing I'm, I'm trying to get at here is that all of a sudden it comes out of nowhere. Your life is totally changing. You're going to New York from San Diego. That's a, that's a huge life change. Yeah, for me, it's... it's um, you know, playing this game, um, all I can ask for is an opportunity, you know, um, an opportunity to play, an opportunity to show my talents, and this is an opportunity for me to do it on the biggest stage of, of baseball and um, for one of the best teams in the game, so um, that's the way that's the way I view it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the Yankees have done a lot this offseason in a quick amount of time. When you see something go down like the, the Giancarlo Stanton trade, what do you think from, like, a player's perspective on the outside looking in? Um, even even before I, I was um, picked up by the Yankees, um, just thinking about um, Giancarlo Stan and, and Judge in the same lineup playing for the Yankees, um, I, I remember saying, you know, it would be fun to, to just to watch that, you know, <laughs> versus being <laughs> hopefully being a part of it with them. But um, I think I think it's definitely something to look forward to. I would say that. Well, I know you are you're you're six five, right? So you're a big guy as well. You're a big corner outfielder. Uh, those guys are massive as well. So the idea of the three of you in one lineup, I mean, that's got to be pretty scary for an opposing pitcher. Um, <laughs> and it's crazy because I'll be the smaller of the three, which would be the first in my first career. Time. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to it, though. You know, as someone I look up to, I think it'd be kind of dope. Yeah, I think uh, Matt Holiday last year when he was with the Yankees walked in and he was saying, you know, I was always the, the big guy. And then I get next to Judge and he makes me look like a kindergartner. Uh, I, I, I know um, I, I know Judge. I've been around him for the, um, the rookie career development program. And, you know, I'm definitely familiar with how big he is. And um, I want to know, the thing I can't wait to see is who gets the ball further, Judge or Stanton. That's the thing that I fall asleep thinking about. Yeah, that's the big question, right? Well, also, everyone's forgetting about Gary Sanchez. Sanchez had, I think, the second longest home run in the majors last year. So, I mean, he could also hit one 500 feet. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't thought about it, but I have seen him launch a few um, out of the Yankee Stadium. I know uh, when you hit some home runs for San Diego last year, they were using hashtag Blashtoff on, on Twitter. So you hit some long ones as well, right? I had a few. I had a few, not as many as Judge and Stan did last year, but I had a few. Um, is that is the home run really a part of your game? Because I know you had a good year at AAA last year. Um, I would say when I'm doing well, um, the ball tends to uh, to fly out the stadium. Um, it's just about making contact, and I'm putting them good at bats. I feel like once I have good at bats, you know, the home runs come. It's not something that I have to try to try to do. So what was different for you at AAA because in 2017? Because, I mean, your stats are, are phenomenal. 20 home runs in 72 games, and that was really one of the big reasons why San Diego brought you back up to the majors. So did anything change mindset or physically in you uh, to have such a, a nice run? I, I would say for me, for me it was never a, a mental adjustment. It was always something from physical with, um, you know, just if it's either getting, getting ready – earlier to be on time or getting myself in a good hitting position. But um, last year, I just worked hard and getting myself in a good hitting position. And, you know, when I do that, good things happen. I know that's something that, going back to Judge, who's also a big guy, has talked about, making sure that he stays closed on the ball, getting into a good position. So someone who is 6'5", like yourself, is that even more of an adjustment or something you have to really concentrate on working hard at? Well, well, I, I feel like I feel like we have more, um, you know, longer limbs, you know, bigger bodies, so we got to be more precise on, you know, timing and just being short to the ball because we have just so much, so much body going. But um, I would say every, every single hitter, um, you know, 
hopes to be on time more than they're not. And, you know, that just gives them a, a greater chance for success at the, at the plate. Yeah. So, um, how was, how was San Diego? How was your time in the majors with San Diego? Oh, um, um, San Diego was awesome. You know, it's a lovely city. Um, it's great fans, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm an Allen boy. So, um, I, I, I really, really enjoyed San Diego. Yeah, you're an island boy from from uh, St. Thomas, right? St. Thomas, that's correct. Yeah, I was looking at the list of major league players from St. Thomas. There's only 13 of you, so you're on a short list. I think I think I was number 15. I think. Oh, you're correct. 15. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and your your brother was also uh, drafted this year, right? That's correct. He's by Washington Nationals. Yeah. So what what did your parents have in the water down there that produced two guys that were able to play ball? <laughs> You know that's a good question because my dad. I think my dad. My dad's like five seven, and my mom oh, really? is about five. My mom is like five five nine. Wow! And then my my older brother that passed away was about five five six and a half. And then me and my younger my younger brother is actually bigger than I am, believe it or not. So you're just you just. Just grew up uh, down there on, on Island Sunshine. That's what that's what made you six five for a pro baseball player, I guess. You can have everybody moving to the islands. Yeah, I might I might take a trip down there just to see what I could do. Uh, so what uh, what are you excited about going to New York? I know you're you're going to be fighting for a spot on this team because the outfield is stacked. So so uh-huh. what are you looking forward to going into spring training this year? Like I, like I said earlier, um, you know, if I was going to spring training with, with San Diego Padres, I still would have to earn a spot even though I'm on the roster. So, you know, I'm just – I like a nice person opportunity. You know, I'm, I don't deserve anything. I don't – and I'm just, I'm just excited about this opportunity, you know, to play for the Yankees, to have the opportunity to, to, to be in that lineup with, you know, some of these guys. And, potentially, you know, the Yankees is an awesome organization. You know, I, I'm in Mexico right now. You won't believe the love. I've got over the past three days just because I'm a Yankee and it's kind of surreal and um, I'm just excited for the opportunity. And, and um, you're wearing it. yeah, you wearing, <laughs> wearing a Yankee, you wearing a Yankee hat down there. You telling everybody you not hey, yet. Guess what? Not yet, but everybody knows. And um, I mean, like the past, I've, I've been on here for about um, I would say two weeks, two and a half weeks. And the past three days, I've signed more baseball cards myself than I have since. I've got it. I think I think three days ago was the first time someone brought a Jabari Glass baseball card for me to sign, and I just laughed. I was like, two days after, two days after I'm a Yankee, I finally see a baseball card down here. But that, you know, Yankee that's fans. That's the power have, of the Yankees organization. They have, you know, they have fans everywhere. You know, everybody loves the Yankees. What was the team for you growing up in St. Thomas? You know, um, unfortunately, I, I wasn't I wasn't really a fan of baseball growing up. I didn't really play much, and I didn't watch much games. So growing up, I really didn't have a team, but of course I knew who the Yankees were. And, um, I would say that, you know, I admired Ken Griffey a lot growing up, but unfortunately I didn't have a team growing up. Did you say you didn't play a lot growing up? No. Cause, um, in, in, in St. Thomas, baseball is very limited. You know, the island is 32 square miles. Um, population ranges between, um, I think like 45 and 50,000 people. And, you know, at a certain age, it was hard to, to to get players to play. So you'll show up in the field, and then, you know, you won't play because there's not enough players, or the game just canceled. So it was very easy to lose interest in baseball growing up, and that's what happened. And um, I feel like my senior year, I played seven games that year. Holy crap. And um, traveled to people to Florida, and that's when um, um, scouts saw me, and that's when my name started to circulate. So, you know, just one of those stories that um, I was real lucky, and, um, I intend to continue um, embracing these opportunities as they come. That's pretty amazing that you didn't really play much. I mean, I, I didn't think it was possible to become a professional baseball player if you're not working at it every day from like the age of five. Because that's the story you always hear about these about these professional players is that they all they did as a kid was just play baseball. So that's that's pretty amazing. Right, and I also heard that I'm actually kind of lucky because a lot of these kids that play so much from such a young age, I guess they get burnt out of so, so I've heard. And I'm still enjoying, I'm still loving this game. And, um, you know, I want to play this game for a long time. 
Yeah, that's actually a really great point as well. And do you think maybe that's why, because you didn't really, once you got to professional baseball, I know you went to college, right? So you obviously played a bunch in college. So that's, I mean, your development kind of started there. You had all the raw skills, the tools, the the athleticism, but then you really started to craft your game when you got to college and, and the pros. Is that right? Exactly. That's correct. Um, that's awesome. So, uh, you said uh, you said you're you're model or not modeled yourself, but you're always a fan of of Ken Griffey. I mean, who wasn't back back in the nineties? <laughs> exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, that's a pretty good player to wanna to wanna follow after. Uh, well, well, Jabari, we uh, we definitely appreciate you joining the podcast. And uh, one final thing, I just want to say is that you've got a great name for the game, Jabari Blash. That's an awesome kick-ass name, uh, uh, John Sterling, who's the radio announcer for the Yankees is going to have a lot of fun with that if you hit a few home runs in the Bronx. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, Thank Jabari, you for having me. It and, uh, good luck this week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.